giving them less direction and allowing them to really explore and freely organize the materials that, that are given to them, which is so amazing when you give them literally scraps of garbage, they can create a majestic palace out of it and be so proud of their accomplishments with just the few items that they're given. It, this this is, if nothing else, this this whole week has sort of just expanded the horizons of just what's what's possible, mm-hmm. and and how I I don't have to have always a, you know this straight through line through what I'm teaching there. Yes, it's very important that uh, the students will be um, um, develop curiosity. It's just, it's a reminder, it's a wake-up call, say, like, you're not by yourself. There is a whole bunch of people doing the work out there that you can tap into and be resources for each other. And I think that's very, very, very important. I was really interested in the ethical piece of this, right? As, as a rabbi of a school, uh, I'm always concerned about what we do and, and whether we should or should not do it. It was one of our first conversations here, actually. Um, it was the Dr. Ian Malcolm line from Jurassic Park, I recall. It's... We know we can do it, but the question is, should we do it? And as, as technology becomes more and more a part of our everyday lives, I mean, that's the question we're constantly asking. Technology is great up until it isn't. Is to find out that I'm, that it's in regular, so uncreative, can do things, can do things and understand more and more what feel my students when it doesn't succeed. Is that, you know, it might not be the, the plan that you have the first day of school, or it's not, might not be in your, your structured curriculum now or in two months, but maybe in, you know, halfway through the year or something, you're, you're, you recall something that you learned during this time and it just completely fits and it all makes sense at that point. Another aspect is that I felt that I'd like in the classroom um, to hear less of my own voice and ideas and more of my students' voices, ideas, and creativity. But it's more, I think, this allows more than just coming up with the ideas. Yeah. This is open your mind to like, go for it, just go and do it. Yeah. You know, it might not work the first time. It might need <laughs> tweaking like many things that we do all the time but if it works how amazing could that be yeah and the ability now to vision to allow myself to think big and then go down to the details and things will work out eventually it's okay to not finish and right. to take those breaks in the middle like we did yes. with the drama games to take those breaks in the middle yes have a reflective experience we can continue it at any time even if it has to be the next class, but make sure it gets in and to pause and to take a break. Kind of shows you what ha- what could happen when we get out of the kids' way, right? When it's more student-focused and letting them create and think and do. I think the teacher must be in in difficult some, sometimes yeah, because absolutely. he 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 don't understand that the students. 
because it's not very often that I have the chance to really experience that kind of activity where I'm really frustrated and then I accomplish it and then I feel that sense of, yay, I did it. Um, and being able to sort of work through that and then feeling that accomplishment, I think, has so much learning value. Yes. Um, but a lot of times I'm so concerned about getting through the curriculum that I don't even think about it. So just that sense of it's okay if I have kids spending time just solving problems just for their own sake because there's so much learning value in that. Coming back to inquiry-based mm-hmm. kind of learning and inviting uh, my stakeholders, students especially, actually, from the work we've been doing, but also parents and other congregational stakeholders into that conversation mm-hmm. with me. To be aware in the classroom of uh, learning, not, not just learning styles, but the 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 body language and the placement of things in the classroom um, from the the design studio that we went to the D school to how Sandy was giving instructions it was just learning about how learning is shaped by what's around us I wanted to figure out along with other systems that I have in place, how do I, on a daily basis, how am I able to provide my students with the differentiation they need um, so that there's not wasted time, so there's not time that the kids that understand it from the get-go are not being challenged and are also not creating a space for the kids that are not understanding it um, to feel kind of out of it or not be able to ask questions. And I've also thought about materials when you do design something like, you know, are we using green materials? Is the design sustainable? And does what we're creating make the world a better place? I really want to make a a program that's intentional and that speaks to the community. And so uh, going all along with this sort of ethical lens, how can I look at it through that, through that space? love anything that is student-centered and the idea that I could take um, an administrative question that I had and kind of put it through those paces of empathy and research and prototyping um, and really think about who it was benefiting was something that I was excited to do. It really helped me to empathize with my students who make it through that frustrative feeling or, um, you know what I really connected with was when they said it was time to clean up and I wanted to keep working. And I have students who do that all the time and I would always get frustrated with them, but now I really understand, like, if you have something that you want to finish, it's really hard to transition. So I I really empathize with that now. And that was a valuable learning experience for me. I think my students next year are really going to appreciate that. I'm taking you back a new way of thinking about about learning. Um, I tend to be very goal-oriented when teaching. I I ascribe to understanding by design, and I plan out my units very specifically, and I have very clear objectives and assessments about what I want my kids to learn. And this week has made me think more expansively about what goals can be for learning. Like I've brought awe. Yeah, exactly. And just asking that question, what brings you awe 
or how can we bring awe and spirituality to our students? That was the big question that hit me on Monday, and here it is Friday, and I'm still thinking about it. I feel, I feel definitely lucky that I have uh, somebody that I work so closely with who understands what it means to, um, to design in this, in this way and to think about curriculum in this way. And it's pretty great. The notion of like, okay, how do you um, then take the work that we've done here and have that be something that maybe is like a monthly check-in or something that you can kind of deepen, like drop into a particular mode that can be a shared place of. Yeah, it helped me a lot because typically I'm like, boom, 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 let's move fast. We only have 45 or 50 minutes or maybe 65 minutes. But that idea of taking the pause for a cause and being more mindful and not rushing through it, but taking the time to reflect throughout and not wait till the end of the unit, I think I realize how important that is. Right, and to really make sure, like, as important as project and collaboration is, it's also important to meet the needs of all, every individual learning style. So that will be a teamwork. Like a Like a chavruta. I like it very much. Very much. It's not simply what I'm going to bring back to my institution or even more finely into my classroom, but it's kind of like how do we build this into the existence and the, the sort of the, the, in the body of Jewish learning in lots of different individual organizations that are part of a broader, larger organization. Yeah, because that's what we're doing when we're creating community. Right. <laughs> really. Yes. And whether it's a, it's at a GCC or it's at a synagogue or, or at a school, right? Like we're, we're creating that community and trying to get the folks to come together and be together. And whether it's, I, I think a lot about the, that reciprocal nature of teaching and learning and whether it's, um, you know, you with the, the lay leaders or it's the teachers with the students or it's the students with the rabbi or like whatever the, the students with the students. Amen. Right. Yeah. This has been episode one of Ethical Creativity Havruta, a pair study podcast on the new work of ethical creativity. I'm your host, Nicholas Colfarrell, and I'd like to thank our cohort members from the 2018 Ethical Creativity Institute. They were super brave and super generous to share their reflections on the work of ethical creativity. Please see our show notes for their names and the order of their appearance. We'll be back with you all soon for episode two, but in the meantime, you can find us on the web at ethicalcreativity.org podcast, on Twitter under at ECHevruta or Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Lastly, we just want to give a shout out to Jonathan Gold, who we lost this weekend. May his memory be a blessing. Peace. <laughs>